1: How many of you have lived long enough to know there have been times in your past where you walked away from God and you're thankful that His grace was sufficient for you? It's it's not an accident that it says they begin to leave, first the older ones, because the longer you live, the more you recognize how necessary grace is. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with
0: Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi generational multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus Christ like a city on a hill. For information and locations, visit missionhillchurch.com. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul
1: Purvis. Jesus wants to fill you. Jesus wants darkness to flee from your life. Think about that for a moment. You are being formed. That's what the Bible says the process is for becoming like Christ. We're being conformed into his image. Every day I live, I should look more like Jesus. If you have been a Christ follower before today, you should look more like Jesus today than you did yesterday. If you've been a Christ follower for years or for decades, you should look more like Jesus than you did then. Why? Because you are being formed. You are in process. You're not finished yet. If there was a sign around your neck, a good sign would be under construction. That's what's happening. Do you understand you're being formed? Isn't that a good thing? God's still working on you. Say this. Say, I am being formed. But you're also being filled. The Bible says when you're born, you've got this God-shaped void in your life. You're separated from God. If you began a relationship with him, he fills that void. He gives you the Holy Spirit. And Jesus prayed. Taught us to pray that we regularly are filled with his spirit. And so you're being filled. Why? Because his, though his spirit never leaves us, we leak, right? <laughs> and so we need to be constantly filled with his presence and his spirit. Aren't you grateful that God's still working on you? That he's still filling you? Say this. Say, I am being filled. But as you draw close to him, darkness is fleeing from you. I pray that if you're a Christ follower, you've lived long enough to look back at a time where sin had more of a grip on your life than it does today. Where you've gotten to the place where darkness has been pushed back in your life. And just to understand that, imagine that we were in a completely dark room and at the other side of the room was the only light that was shining. There would be enough light for maybe me to see a little bit of myself, but I would primarily just see the light. But the closer I would get to the light, the more of me is exposed. If I get right up in the light, I can see all of me. That's why when you get one of these 4K HD TVs, All the light that's in that camera that's put upon that picture allows you to see the pores in people's faces. I've looked at some of those TVs and think, take me back to black and white, I'm seeing way too much. But the truth is, the closer we get to God, the more we see of the light, the more our darkness is exposed. That's why the Apostle Paul, who we look back and think of as the greatest Christian who's ever lived, could say, I'm the chief of sinners. That's why Isaiah, who the Bible says saw the Lord face to face, high and lifted up, could say, "Whoa, is me. Aren't you grateful that God wants to get rid of those dark spots in your life? Aren't you thankful that God's still working on you and that darkness is fleeing? Say this with me. Say, darkness is fleeing. Now, let's see if we can illustrate this with the actions of Jesus. Let's go back to the first part of John chapter 8. Because I believe this story took place, whether or not it took place right here in this context. But it makes sense that it could have taken place in this context. It says early in the morning, he, that's Jesus, came again to the temple. And all the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, placing her in the midst. Now some of your translations say right there, caught in the act of adultery. Do I need to explain that? I mean, this is a graphic scenario. What in the world were these jokers doing out going looking in people's bedrooms? I don't know. But she was caught in the act of adultery. That raises some questions, doesn't it? Like, uh, where's the dude? Where's the man? And we see something here that Jesus is going to address that's been a problem throughout history. There's always been a movement to push the woman aside. And we still struggle with that today. And make no mistake, as you read the scriptures, Jesus is always leveling the playing field. He's always saying, in Christ, there is no Jew nor Greek. There is no male nor female. So you got this scenario where they've exposed this woman, which also reminds me that there really are no secret sins, We talk about the sovereignty of God, and I I say this phrase often. Has it ever occurred to you that nothing ever occurs to God? He never has aha moments. He knows everything. So guess what? He knew about this woman's affair before they brought her before him. The same is true of your secret sins, those things that you think no one knows but you. He knows. He knows the darkest spots in your soul. So what happened? It says in verse 4, They said to him, Teacher, this woman's been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law of Moses, it's commanded to stone such women. What do you say? We see their motive clearly, right? If you hang around someone long enough, you see their motive. This wasn't about the woman. They weren't wanting her to be holy. They certainly wanted, weren't wanting grace for her. They were wanting to catch Jesus. So it even says, they said this to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against Jesus. And then Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger in the ground, and this is the first act of grace in this story. And I think it's essential that you understand if you are going to be formed into the image of Christ, if if you are going to be filled with His presence, if darkness is going to flee you, you will become more and more a person of grace. And Jesus begins to write, and this is one of those passages in Scripture where we do not know what He wrote. It's like the thorn. We don't know what Paul's thorn was. It's like the manna. We don't know what it was. What is it? They said. They said. And we don't know what he wrote. Maybe he wrote the names, the name of the man. That'd be interesting, wasn't it? Where's Mr. (laughs) So-and-such? Maybe he wrote all the names of the guys that were standing around with rocks in their hands. Maybe he just drew a heart (laughs) and says, Jesus loves you. I don't know. But what we know is that in that moment, it It's like popping the balloon. It it took the pressure out of the situation. It was God's grace. And and maybe that's a great way for you to remember that we all get to experience God's common graces, don't we? There are those times in life that even those who do not follow Jesus are, are able to experience His goodness, His grace. And in that moment, there was a sense of common grace. As they continued to ask him, he stood up and said, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. Yeah, just like that. You could hear a pin drop. And so Jesus bent down again. Why why this time was he drawing in the sand? I think it was his grace. I think just as Jesus had taken the attention off of the woman, now he's taken that attention that has been exposed in the hearts of those evil men off of them. Understand this. At the core of who God is, he is a gracious God. Remember what Jesus told Nicodemus, the son of man did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Yes, sin has to be acknowledged. But once sin is acknowledged, the antidote for man's sinfulness is God's grace. And an interesting thing happened. When they heard it, they went away one by one beginning with the older ones, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. The longer you live, the more you become acquainted with your own sinfulness. How many of you have lived long enough to know there have been times in your past where you walked away from God and you're thankful that his grace was sufficient for you? It's it's not an accident that it says... They begin to leave, first the older ones, because the longer you live, the more you recognize how necessary grace is. If
0: you've just joined us, you're listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. Video of the message you're listening to is available when you click the Watch tab at MissionHillChurch.com. Thanks for sharing time with us and for sharing your financial gifts by clicking the Give button at MissionHillChurch.com. And now, with more of today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis.
1: No offense, but when you're 20, you think you know everything. You're ready to take on hell with a water pistol. And if you're spiritual, you may tend toward legalism because you are focused on God's holiness with great and sincere passion. But then you live enough life where you look in the mirror of God's word and you realize, I have blown it. The darkest moments of my life, some of those were when I was a young man. And I'll never forget how older Christ followers showed the greatest grace. Grace. People my age, they were quick to condemn. They were still holding the stones. But the older ones have lived long enough to know. (laughs) Oh, but by the grace of God, there go I. But in the end, they were all gone. And Jesus said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She says, no one, Lord. But that wasn't the end of the conversation, was it? Jesus said, neither do I condemn you, but go on and sin no more. Jesus was forming her. He was helping her see what she needed to be. He was filling her. He was letting her know that the answers to her problems were not going to be found in an adulterous relationship. He he was making the darkness flee from her. And and so what we need to ask when we hear this story is, what needs to happen in me? Where do I need to be more formed into the image of Christ? When we look at the Christ of Scripture and we look at your life, where are the discrepancies? Where do you need to be formed to be made more like Him? Where do you need to be filled What are those areas in your life where you're searching in the wrong places for answers? So maybe you're in a relationship or relationships that will never meet your need or or you're looking to drugs or alcohol or some other substance in your body to mask the pain and self-medicate or you have some other addictive habit or hurt or hang up that's keeping you from letting Jesus be all that you need. Or maybe there's just darkness that needs to flee your life. When the spotlight of God's word and his Holy Spirit shines on you, things are revealed that you know need to be gone. Because Jesus is the light of the world. So whether it was after this story with the woman or whether it was just after the words of Jesus where he said, I'm the light of the world, the bottom line is there's now an uproar. Because people are saying, Jesus, you can't say you're the light of the world. What are you thinking you're doing? And Jesus said, you don't know who I am. And in John 8, 50, he drops the mic. He throws it down. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And so now they pick up the stones. Perhaps the very stones that were in their hands to be cast at that woman. And they prepare to throw them at Jesus. But he leaves. But it's just a temporary departure because he's still telling the story. Because in John chapter 9 he's going to drive his point home. The Bible says in John chapter 9 that he passed by and he saw a man who was blind from birth. The disciples following after him ask him, Rabbi or teacher, who sinned? that made this man blind, his parents or him? Jesus answered, it was not this man nor his parents, but that the work of God might be displayed in him. See, our natural tendency is when something's not right, when something goes wrong, we assume we did something to cause it, but sometimes God's at work around us and he's simply seeking to show himself in the midst of the pain. So God says, this is not about sin, this is about my glory. We have to work and do the works of him who sent us while it's day. Night is coming when no one can work. And as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Here he goes again. And then he illustrates it again. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and he made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Salaam. When he went and washed... He came back seeing. Jesus sends him to the very pool that started the Feast of Tabernacles. And so he's ending his message the way he began. You want water that will make you never thirst again? I'm that water. You want light that will help you see what you've never seen? I'm that light. Jesus was saying to the blind man the same thing he was saying to the woman caught in adultery, the same thing he was saying to the men who attempted to stone her and then him, the same thing he's saying to you and to me. He's saying, I want to form you, I want to fill you, I want to make darkness flee from you, but you must look to me. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, the song says. Look full. In the light of his face. I want you to think about the difference light can make. I think for that woman caught in adultery, she understood light can bring comfort. In your darkest moments, when you feel hopeless and hurt, you feel like there's no way out. Know this, the light can bring comfort. The same light that comforts a little child. You know how a child cries out, Mommy, Daddy, I'm afraid of the dark. And an amazing little night light can change everything. A little bit of God's light can change everything and give you the comfort you need on this earth. Light can bring comfort, but light like it did for the blind man can also bring clarity. Helps you see where to go. You're uncertain about your future. Darkness has become oppression like in the plagues in Exodus, you can feel the darkness and you don't know what to do. Let the light of Jesus bring clarity in your life. When we received our little girl adopted into our family, we were told by the doctors that the blindness that she was born with was so severe that she could not even see light and dark. And then one night a strange thing happened. As we turned off, the light in her room, she responded. Something had changed. We then instantly went into scientist mode. (laughs) We began to get flashlights. We began to flip on and off the lights because surely we're mistaken. Surely she can't see the light. The doctors told us she can't. It didn't take long for us to realize she can tell when the lights are on and when the lights are off. Now, that's important to us for a couple of reasons. We're t- still told by the doctors that she will never see unless it were an equal miracle to this of God. But it's comforting for us to know that she's not in total darkness. And we believe it gives her some level of clarity because in our house that is filled with not only five children but four pets, two cats, two dogs, two parents who are constantly pulling their hair out, it's often cluttered and filled with chaos. She finds her way around without bumping into stuff better than we do with all of our sight. I think that little bit of light may give great clarity. And I think that can happen in your life too. The light of Jesus can guide you just as he did the children in the wilderness by a pillow in the day and a cloud of fire by night. But light also brings change. Whether it was the woman caught in adultery or the man born in blindness, there was change. The light of the world changes everything. And there's probably no better example of that in Scripture than my namesake. At least his new name is my namesake. His old name was Saul. He was a persecutor of Christians. And Acts chapter 9 tells us that he spent his life persecuting Christ followers. And that's what he was doing in Acts chapter 9 when he was on his way to a city called Damascus in Syria. And the Bible says that he was driven to his knees by a blinding light. And in that moment, he met the risen Christ. Saul would get up from his knees, his name would be changed to Paul, and he would become the greatest missionary the church has ever known. It's because of how God used him, the Holy Spirit's presence in his life, that the message of the gospel would go into different parts of Europe and ultimately as it's going even today around the world, from his touch. Because when a person encounters the light of the world, it changes everything. So just think about it. Remember, there's one point to this message. Jesus wants to form you. Jesus wants to fill you. Jesus wants to make darkness flee in your life. But ultimately, he's going to leave that choice up to you. That's why Jesus would say to Nicodemus that the light's coming to the world and many won't receive it because they'd prefer to stay in darkness. I heard about this pilot. He had a small plane and one evening he had some passengers and one of the nervous ladies turned to him and said, Hey, just had a curiosity, what would you do if the engine died? Well, first of all, that's a terrible question to ask. <laughs> but he said, well, I guess if the engines cut off, the first thing I would do is begin to get closer to the ground. And then as I got as close as I felt comfortable to the ground, I would, I would turn on the lights and see if it was a safe place to land. That did not satisfy her. And she said, well, what would you do if it was not a safe place to land? What what would you do if you didn't like what you saw? He said, that's simple. I'd turn off the lights. 25 years in ministry. And I've seen that far too often. When the light of the world exposes darkness. Too often. People choose darkness. They just turn off the light and live their way. My prayer is that that won't be the case for you, that you'll ask that question. Jesus, what do you need to form in me? Jesus, what do you need to fill me with today? Jesus, where does darkness need to flee my life? In John 12, 46, Jesus would say, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. May we not remain in darkness and may his light not only shine in us, but through us so that we become the light of the world.